Christ. The Lord was really giving me this message. I felt like I would love to be playing this message every day in my car just to listen to it myself. So if you don't enjoy it, I'll enjoy it myself. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, thank you for uh, this awesome privilege to be in this new year. Uh, Lord, we thank you. We look forward to the amazing things that you've got in store for us. Uh, Lord, even as we are about to receive your word, we thank you that your word changes us, uh, that your word causes us to bear fruit, that your word brings life into our lives and into our family. So we bless you today as we receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So I titled this message, An Attitude for Possessing Your Land. And our main scripture is going to come from the book of Joshua. And I believe uh, Joshua's possession of Canaan has many similarities with us getting into this new year. Uh, Canaan was a place that they had never been to. It was a new place. It was a new territory. And I believe 2017 is a new place. Uh, unless you are God, you've been here before, but I haven't. <laughs> you know, I haven't been in 2017. This is my first time. And so I believe for most of us, this is our first time. Amen. And so there are many similarities between Canaan, which is a new territory, and 2017. And I believe the Lord is going to bless us today. And so this is Joshua, Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 to 4. But before I read that, I want to give you the background that culminated to, to this place. I believe one of the, one of the hardest leadership uh, tasks was one that was given to Joshua. By, by God. You know, when Moses died, the Bible says that the Lord asked Joshua to take over. Now, Joshua is leading about over 2 million people. The people that God called stubborn. Now, how about that, that God calls a people stubborn and he calls you to lead them? I mean, if God finds them so stubborn that, that he wants to destroy them. He wanted to destroy an entire people and Moses besought him and begged him and said, Lord, please do not destroy these people. And yet, God calls Joshua to lead this kind of people. And I believe that's hard as a leader to lead this kind of people. And so here they are on the verge of entering into the promised land. They are on the verge of possessing the land that was promised to them and their forefathers. But ahead of them is the Jordan River, and just beyond the Jordan River, there's Jericho. And so here they're just camping just outside of the Jordan River before they cross the river. And so they stayed there for about three days, and this is where the scripture begins. It says that early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing three days so before crossing, three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp giving these instructions to the people. And I want you to underline these. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark Make sure you don't come any closer. Three things I believe Joshua gives these guys that we're going to focus only on one today because of time. 
He says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant. Now, when you study the, the story and the size of the Ark, when you are speaking to two million people to be watching the Ark, in terms of proportion, it doesn't make sense. Because the Ark was very, very small. And if two million people have to be focusing on looking and seeing the Ark, that is a task. Some of these people had families. They had small children that they needed to take. There was a lot of distraction going around. But Joshua said, when you see the ark, you follow it. You stay with it. So three things he said to them. One, see the ark. Two, follow the ark. And three, stay with the ark. See the ark. Follow the ark. And stay with the ark. Why was it so important for the people to get into the promised land? This is not part of our study today, but you can study the significance and the importance of the Ark of the Covenant. But I want us to talk about the see the Ark. See the Ark. How do you expect me to see the Ark if I am so behind a thousand or two thousand people and yet the priests are way ahead of me? But in order for me to get into the promised land, I have to see the ark. Because that's a sign that I have to move. And I believe this required focus. It required for them, in spite of the destruction around them, they needed to focus on the ark. I believe this, this year is going to bring some destruction. Now, this year is going to have a few things around that will try to deter you from the focus that God is calling you to. But it's important to stay focused. So I use the word focus to give us this message. The first F is function. Or the first letter of the word is function. I believe in order for us to, to possess our land, we've got to be a people that functions. What is function? Function is doing something. Doing something. See, if, if you want to possess your land this year, you've got to do something. You've got to do something. See, if you, if you need to complete your metric, do something. If, if you need to carry on with your degree, do something. If you need to get help for your marriage, do something. The only way you're going to get your land is by doing something. Function. Function. Do something. Don't just stand and have plans in your mind that overwhelm you and you sit down and become inactive. Do something. There's a scripture that I really love in Proverbs. Proverbs 26, 13 to 16. It says, a sluggard, a lazy man says, there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. As a door uh, turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. A sluggard buries uh, sorry, buries his hand in the dish. He's too lazy to bring it up to his mouth. A sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. And Solomon is describing the, the, the attitude of an inactive and a lazy person. He says a lazy person has an inflated reality of their reality. They say that there's, there's a lion in the street, whereas there isn't. See, have you met people who always tell you why they can't do something? 
Oh no, man, I can't do this because I'm black. I can't do this because I'm white. I can't do this because I'm this. Like peep, someone is always inflated their situation to remain inactive. But if we want to possess our land this year, you've got to do something. You've got to function. You've got to do something. Jesus gives a parable of two sons in Matthew 21. Verse 28 to 32. He says there was a parable of two sons and the father calls the two sons and says to them, says to one of them first and says, hey, I want you to go work in the vineyard. The first son says, yes, sir, I'm going to work in the vineyard. He calls another son and says, son, go work in the vineyard. The other son says, sir, I'm not going to work in the vineyard. And so the one who said, I'm not going to work in the vineyard, goes and changes his mind and works in the vineyard. And the one who accepted that he was going to work and he didn't do anything. And so Jesus asked his disciples, said, who do you think obeyed God? And the disciples said, the one who changed his mind later and worked in the vineyard. Jesus said, you have said right. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that your good intentions are not so good. You've got to do something about your good intentions. And I think getting married is teaching me that your good intentions are not always, <laughs> not always so good. You've got to do something. You know, because people are not mind readers, all right? Do something. Function in this year. Be determined to do something. The second letter is open up. Open up. This is about exposure. See, if you, if you have too many dreams that nobody knows about, Maybe that's why they're not being realized. But give your ideas exposure. Open up. Don't be too closed up. Share some things. Share your dreams with people. Share your aspirations with people. Give yourself exposure. Open up. You know, when, when you talk about businesses, if, if, you, if you have a great strategy that is not exposed, or if you have a great product or service that nobody knows about, nobody is going to ask for it. Unless people know about your product or your service, then you give them an opportunity to ask for it. Give your dreams some exposure. Open up. There's a scripture in Proverbs 18. It says, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. A man's gift makes room for him. What is the room that a man's gift makes for him? It says the room is that it brings him before great men. It doesn't necessarily give them greatness, but it gives them exposure to greatness. In other words, your gift creates space for exposure. And once your gift is exposed, then you give people an opportunity to help you realize your dream. This year. If you have a business plan that you've had for a long time, share it with somebody. If you have a great idea, share it with someone. If your marriage is going through some things, share with some accountable people. If you're struggling in an area that has just beaten you down, share with someone. Don't be closed up. Open up. Be exposed. And expose your dreams and aspirations. Amen. And thirdly, consistency. Consistency. Be consistent. See, I broke my, my shoulder, I think about a year ago, and I took off from gym 
maybe what I took leave from gym for about three to four months uh, because of inconsistency. See, I wasn't, I wasn't very disciplined uh, with my gym activity. And I had a friend of mine who was very, very consistent at the gym, and he was stronger than me. And so this one time he wanted for us to work together at the gym. And so we were working together, and he was lifting really heavier than me. And I, you know, because he's a friend, and I'm thinking, I don't want to be reducing the weights when it's my turn, so I want to try his weights. <laughs> and, and as I did that, literally my shoulder, like, went cup. And for a long time, I mean, I couldn't sleep for like a week, really. It was very, very painful. And I realized as I've built my discipline at the gym is that what gives you more strength is your consistency. It's, it's the more you do it, the better you become. Be consistent. There's a, there's a profound scripture that I, that I really love in, in Numbers 23. Now, this is the prophet Balaam who had been hired to curse the people of God by Balak the prince. And he comes to a place where he keeps blessing the people of God. And so Balak comes to him and said, man, I hired you to curse these people. I hired you to destroy these people. Why haven't you done so? And the, uh, the prophet Balaam says this. He says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said it and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? He said, God is not a man that he should lie. That God is consistent. That when you approach God, you know what you're going to get. God is consistent. Paul says in Hebrews 8, sorry, 13 verse 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many of us love to quote that scripture? But it's a scripture about consistency. That when you get to Jesus yesterday, you're going to get the same thing today and forever. That Jesus is consistent. What do we have to be consistent in? I believe we have to be consistent in our belief. That this is a year that you are determined to be consistent in what you stand for. Whether it is at the cafeteria or in the boardroom or at your desk, you are the same person. You are consistent. You are not one person at the cafeteria and another person in the boardroom. You are consistent. We have to be consistent. In our credibility. It's important for us to remain consistent in our credibility. In order for us to possess the land that God has got for us. It's important to be consistent in the quality of our output. The quality of our work. It's important to be consistent. See, if you're trusting God to be a leader in a certain area. And the quality of your work is not consistent. See, God is not going to promote you because he will embarrass you. It's an embarrassment for a leader because you are so high. If you fall down, your, your, your damage is going to be embarrassing. And rather God would keep you down so that when you fall, you're not too far from the ground. <laughs> but if you trust in God to possess a, a leadership position in your company, the quality of your work must be consistent. That when you are given to do something, you know, and the person who's giving you the work knows they are at peace that that person is consistent in the quality of their work. They're going to do well. The fourth 
later is underline your experiences. Underline your experiences. Sometimes I feel like experience is overrated. Sometimes. And I think experience remains just a mere experience if it's not underlined. What does underlining an experience mean? It means I have taken note of the experience and I've learned from it so that I would not repeat the same thing when I'm confronted with a similar challenge. And that the people behind me or the people I am leading when they are confronted with a similar challenge will not have to go through what I went through because my experience has been underlined. Whereas if you just go through an experience without underlining it, it just remains something that you went through. And the risk of you going through the same thing and, 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 and doing the same thing that you did is high. Underline your experiences. There's a, there's a scripture in Genesis 28. It's a story of Jacob. Now Jacob is running away from his brother Esau because Jacob had tricked his father into blessing him. And so now he's blessed him and, and, and Esau wants to kill him. And so he's running for his life and his mom, Rebekah, advises him to go to his uncle Laban. And so Jacob is on his way running and going to Laban's house. Obviously on his way, the, the distance was a bit far from his house. So he got to a place where it was late at night and he needed to sleep. And so he decided to sleep and when he slept, he took a stone and used it as a pillow. He wakes up in the morning to realize that he had had a wonderful experience with God. That he had a dream with God. And he realized, man, this place is a gate to heaven. That's what he said. He says, I have had a wonderful experience with God here. I have to underline my experience. So the Bible says he took a stone, anointed it, sorry, anointed it and put it there and called that place Bethel. Why did he keep that place? He says, I want this place to be remembered as a place of my experience with God. I want this place to be remembered as a place where I had, I had an encounter with God. This is a gate to heaven. And so he goes to his uncle Laban years later. When now he wants to come back to his land. God appears to him on his way and says to him, I want you to go back to Bethel. Because there I will meet with you again. Now, when I was looking at the scripture, I'm thinking, Lord, if, if Jacob ever forgot to underline his experience, how would he have gone back to Bethel if he had not put a stone there? Because Bethel would have just been like another place. But the distinction between Bethel and another place was the fact that he had underlined his experience with God there and he knew that he could go back to there. And so he went back there, the Bible says, and we, we know the story, or some of us know the story, that that's where his name was changed again from Jacob to Israel. And God made another covenant with him to bless him. And sometimes we miss out on so much that God can do from an experience when we don't underline it. And I believe this year God is going to take us through some journeys. God is going to take your life through an experience. But you've got to underline that experience. You've got to make sure that experience is not wasted. That if you, if you did not benefit from it, but at least your children or whoever is in your circle will be able to benefit from your experience. 
There's another story in Joshua chapter 4, which uh, as they're crossing the Jordan, the Bible says that the Lord asked the elders to take 12 stones representing each tribe. And those stones were called memorial stones. And the reason for those memorial stones, the Bible says, was that when the children to come would ask their fathers, why are these stones here? That the fathers should say to the children, the Lord gave us deliverance. The Lord helped us to cross the Jordan. And when they do that, they will return to God in faithfulness. Why? Because they would see, wow, this God has been so powerful and faithful to our fathers. We should therefore go back to him. And so God is into underlining our experiences. And lastly, scale your life. Now, there's a quick definition. I wanted to summarize this so that I, I, I help us to understand what scalability, at least in my own definition, means. It's, it's the ability to cope with increased demand whilst maximizing your profit. Now, I'll explain what that means. It means in this new year, 2017, our responsibilities are going to increase. Our workload is going to increase. There are some dreams that we are going to be pursuing. There are some things that we are going to be furthering, which means these will be add-ons to what is already existing in our lives. So that is, that is an increase that we're going to experience. What is scalability? Scalability means an ability to have to have rhythms in life. Now, what, what are rhythms in life? Now, I, I was reading this book, which really helped me understand this. It's a book by a man, I think it's Matthew Kelly, if I'm not mistaken, that I did some time back. It's a book talking about rhythms in life instead of balance. Because his, his idea was that when you talk about balancing life, you're talking about a, a state of equilibrium, which means you have to have 50 here, 50 there in order to have a balance. Whereas life is not always like that. Sometimes work doesn't necessarily demand 50 and your family doesn't necessarily demand 50. Sometimes you have 60, 70. Oh, 60, 30, 60, 40, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. 60, 40, 70, 30. <laughs> and 50, 50. But sometimes you have that. And these are rhythms in life. And that's how life works. Life is not a balance. It is a rhythm. Now, how do you scale a life in order for you to enjoy these benefits? It means you understand seasons and cycles. You understand seasons and cycles. This, this year, there's going to be maybe a season for you to focus on your family. And that's just a season. And don't mourn about not making enough money because you're focusing on your family. There's going to be a season this year maybe just for you to focus on your studies. Just for you, and don't mourn about spending enough time with your friends because you're spending more time with your books. Maybe there's going to be a cycle or a season of you just making more money for your business or for your career. And don't mourn about making more money because it's just a season that you're going through. It's important for us to understand seasons and cycles. But it's just important for us to understand as we scale our lives, priorities. Because scalability is going to be about priorities. What is more important in this season? You know, I've been, I've been around circles where two extremes. One is that 
Some people are making a lot of money at the expense of their families. Literally, there's no time with their children, nothing, but they're making a lot of money. Another extreme is people are making no money. They have all the time with their families. They spend the time with their kids, but there's no money. At least in my view, I don't think either of them is good. <laughs> I, think, I think something in between is good. Because your, part of your responsibility is a financial responsibility towards your family or towards yourself. And, and if you, if you abdicate that responsibility, it, it's not okay before God. And so what, how do we confront that? Now, here, here is my proposal to you as you scale your life, is understanding rhythms. There are going to be times where maybe your kids are writing exams and you know that as a father or as a mother, you need to be there to help them. But there are times where they're just coming back from school. Somebody else can fetch them so that you can meet this deadline. And don't mourn about that. I feel like God is happy with both as long as you understand priorities and you understand seasons that your family is in. Amen. Scale your life. So what is the summary? The summary is function. Do something. Open up, expose your dreams. Let me just give a scripture about scale your life so that these don't just remain ideas. <laughs> In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says, Therefore, see that you walk carefully. This is the Amplified uh, Bible. Living life with honor, purpose, and courage, shunning those who tolerate and enable evil, not as unwise, but as wise, sensible, intelligent, discerning people, Making the very most of your time on earth. Recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity. Using it with wisdom and diligence. Because the days are filled with evil. And Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus. That it's important for you to redeem the time. Because the days are evil. And that word time does not just mean family time. It means times and opportunities that God affords you as you live life. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. That's a short message, isn't it? And I believe that's the message that the Lord wanted to give us today as we start this year. That don't just remain a dreamer. Do something. Do something. You know, your marriage is going through some things. Man, don't keep it to yourself. Open up. Share with someone. You realize that your life has been so inconsistent. Bring some consistency. Stand for something and remain consistent. Father, this morning, Lord. But we can see the promises that you have ahead of us. Your heart is for us to possess this land these promises that you have ahead of us. But you're asking us to focus. Lord, we are making a decision today to use these five things to make our lives effective in this new year. Father, we are asking for your grace to help us as we go about this year. Lord, I pray that, that this is going to be the year that, that those plans and those dreams that have, that have been dreamt and thought through will come forth in Jesus' name.
Lord, this is going to be a year where we're going to seize those opportunities that you're going to place in front of us. Father, we thank you today. Lord, we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, family. Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause. Thank you, Jesus.